You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. We talk moto events from around the world. All the injuries, all the training ins and outs, the bikes, parts and gear inspections. The results, we interview your favourite riders. It's the Always Moto Podcast. We occasionally have some coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If you don't like it or you don't agree with us, turn it off right now. I'd like to remind you that he is not a doctor. That's right, Moto fans. I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist, and this is episode 86 of the Always Moto podcast. Proudly brought to you by Liat Moto Australia. Get to your head-to-toe gear at liatmoto.com.au. I'm your host, David Hogan. We'll be joined later in the show by the Always Moto contractor, Ben Grinley. And as always, he's still waiting to get paid, but he will be on track, on deck in Melbourne for World Supercross's number two round for him as a media man. This is the Always Moto Podcast. We are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick. We are trying to get a sponsor for that, but you'd be surprised how hard it is to get a a physio tape brand business to uh, respond to our inquiries. It's ridiculous. But anyway, as always on the show, we're going through all things moto, particularly the injuries in our sport because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. This week on the show, we'll catch up with Australian riders Campbell Williams and Luke Zielinski. We have a special guest tonight. Uh, We'll drop that here later on, Uh, but he will be riding Oz Supercross and WSX this weekend, so a very special guest, and it's some news to drop today, which is awesome. Uh, we look ahead to World Supercross and the Oz SX at Melbourne this weekend at Marvel Stadium. It's going to be a banter weekend. And speaking of banter, we'll be going through another Blair's banter later in the show. So another show, another awesome show coming your way here on the Always Moto podcast. Hey, Moto fan, this episode is brought to you by Liat Moto Australia, the ultimate gear and protection solution for riders seeking top-notch safety and style from head to toe. Liat Moto has you covered with innovative helmets, goggles, body armor, and more. Ride with confidence knowing you're backed by gear designed by riders for riders. Liat Moto Australia has cutting-edge technology that pushes boundaries in rider safety. Don't compromise on your safety and comfort. Choose Liat to stay safe, ride fierce, and embrace the thrill. Head over to liat.com.au and gear up for your next ride. I think I said Liat Moto in that first bit of the show, but it's liat.com.au. Don't forget, Competitive Edge Performance are looking to take your performance to the next level. Competitive Edge Performance is the go-to provider of strength and conditioning programs, sports nutrition, and on-bike coaching schools for athletes of all levels. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned pro, they've got you covered, offering in-person sessions and top-notch online programs accessible anywhere, anytime through their awesome training app. Competitive Edge Performance believes everyone deserves access to the best training and they have over 10 years of industry experience so their coaches know what it takes to succeed. Join Competitive Edge Performance today. Always Moto Podcast listeners can get 50% off your first month on the training app using the comp using the code COMPEDGECOACH. That's C-O-M-P-E-D-G-E-C-O-A-C-H, all in capital letters. 
And don't forget, slant board guy and endurance recovery boots. If you want to get your training on point, you need to use a slant board and you need to recover with endurance recovery boots. Both of these companies are supporting the Always Moto podcast by supporting the listeners and giving them discounts on their purchases. If you use the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout and you will save on both of those brands. And don't forget Tech 167 3D printing to get something very cool for your motorbike. As always, we need your support to get us to the next event, whatever that is. Hopefully, it's something in the US in 2024. We have our merch available to help support the show. Get it and rock it at your next race. We have our T-shirts available. They are $25 plus postage and handling. Show the sh- show your support of the show. It would be awesome. And if you don't want to wear a T-shirt, maybe your body doesn't need a T-shirt. Maybe you are that sexy and you don't need a shirt. Well, if that's the case, then maybe you just want to support the show by sending a donation to our PayPal account. And that's how the po- T-shirt orders will be paid, but the PayPal account is set up to have the donations made to it. And you can email those T-shirt orders through to info at alwaysmoto.com. Now, if you want to find all these supporters, the links to all of them and the PayPal account for those donations that we very, very much need are all in the show notes or they're on the bio on our social pages. So check them out, support the show, support the supporters that support the show. Enough of this intro talk, let's jump straight into the show. Hey guys, it's Aaron Tanti and you're listening to the Always Moto podcast. Now, guys and girls, I was going to save this for the end of the show, but I couldn't wait. So let's go straight to our special guest. All right, it's the Always Moto podcast brought to you by Liat Moto Australia. Now, we've got our special guest on the line uh, to talk a little bit about something that we were bringing up last week on the podcast about the fact that some Aussie riders might get the opportunity to do some wild cards or fill-ins at the World Supercross this weekend in Melbourne. Uh, And it's come true for three riders in terms of wild cards, but this rider had a wild card last year but he's not doing a wild card he's actually gotten a fill-in with one of the teams it's reese bud how are we doing reese hey mate I'm, I'm doing really well that's the way now first and foremost the most important question i've got for you how were the dumplings in newcastle after uh were they worth the wait after the supercross last week when we spoke to you last ah uh, well the uh the plans changed just a little bit so oh, no. we didn't end up getting our dumplings we wanted but uh Got a nice chicken schnitzel wrap that was, uh, I think, just as good. So I uh, definitely can't complain about the uh, the food that night. Uh, fair enough, fair enough. Now, I'm, I suppose <laughs> the, the question everybody else is wanting to ask, this fill-in that you've got going on, mate, it's uh, Club MX Yamaha. Yeah, mate, uh, what, what an opportunity. Um, you know, I was, wasn't too sure when I first got the uh, the text because, um, yeah, not I don't know if many people know, but it's still uh, to step up to the 450 class. So... Um, but after a, a bit of a think about it, a, um, it was it was very hard to pass up that opportunity, you know. So I'm very excited to make my 450 debut on the Saturday night at uh, World Supercross. So it's just uh, it's an awesome opportunity, and um, hopefully I can show them guys some potential and open up open up some doors for the future. So um, yeah, I just like I said, 450 debut. I, I've had very very little time on that thing, but. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a really good event. And um, yeah, honestly, I just can't wait. Yeah, it's a pretty awesome opportunity. One, if you if you had have been just called for a wild card, that would have been cool. But the fact that you've actually been called for a team and for a different um, bike capacity, you know, it's a chance to open up, like you said, open up some doors maybe for the future. So it's a it's a world sca- stage. It's a it's a chance to be out there now. I want to. I sort of want to get back and see how quickly did this call happen after sort of Newcastle, and obviously it's to do with, unfortunately um, for Matt Moss, he, it's his ride that you're basically taking at this point because he got injured at Newcastle. 
How soon after were they in touch with you or were you in touch with them? What was that sort of process? Um, so actually I had a few people contact me Monday morning. So um, That quickly, eh? Justin, yes. Yeah, so um, actually Justin Braden helped me out um, a fair bit with that one. So he contacted me Monday morning and, um, yeah, he said that there was an opportunity there and, and um, he asked me if I wanted to pass my number over and I said, yeah, go for it. So, um, yeah, pretty much Monday morning and then, um, I spoke to the guys from the team Tuesday morning, so um, happened pretty pretty quick and got it all organised um, fairly fast. So um, yeah, I, like I think um, Justin Brayton, you know, we did a little bit of riding um, when he was up here, and uh, I think he kind of can see the potential that I have as well. So it was um, cool of him to help me out a little bit and and um, you know pass that on to to the Club MX guys. So um yeah very very grateful for the opportunity and like i said 450 debut i'm uh, honestly really looking forward to it yeah that's really cool that justin was able to help you out in that sense i feel like he's done that for a few people now he's sort of that father figure in the in the field unfortunately being the older oldest probably rider in our field at the moment he's uh, looking after some of the younger guys which is awesome for you in this situation so well done justin thank you for that but um the 450 side of things is interesting as well obviously you're riding with Sergei yamaha on the 250 at the moment one, have you ridden a 450 much before this point? And two, have you actually ridden the bike or when will you first get to ride this bike? I'm hoping you're not going to say practice, you know, P1 on uh, on Friday night or something like that. Um, so honestly, I, I've had very, very little 450 experience beforehand, but lucky enough, I, I've been able to spin a few laps on a bike and uh, feel feel honestly pretty comfy you know um obviously there's some things that are pretty different um it's a it's a heavy bike and and whatnot to so but i didn't feel like it took too long to adjust it in in a in the short laps that i did so um yeah i like enough i have been able to spin a few but you know obviously a few more would be nice but it is what it is you know i'm i'm not there to to go and and win and and battle for the podium and stuff like that i'm just there for the experience and um if i you know can crack somewhere around that top 10 you know that's 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 a bonus for me but um i don't have a whole lot of expectation it's just the the opportunity itself is what i was uh looking forward to the most so um yeah i'm keen to get after it and and put a little bit more time on the bike and and uh just enjoy the night you know there's there's going to be no pressure there's no expectations from myself or the team so um I, i think you usually ride best when it's like that so having having no pressure on myself um and just gonna go ride and enjoy the moment and and take it all in um and that's that's all i can do yeah just try and surprise some people that'd be the that'd be the best thing i reckon for, for yourself whether it's a start and a, a decent lap or two at the, in, in one main that'd be pretty cool to turn a couple of heads but you sort of missed that part there when do you get to ride this bike for the first time reese uh so basically saturday morning Saturday lunchtime, whenever we get to do practice, you know. So, so do you um, get to like because you're part of the um, obviously the Australian Supercross that's happening on the Friday, and they have the the practice sessions for the world guys on Friday night as well. But are you not allowed to do that part because you're riding the Oz event, and even despite the fact you're changing bike sizes and whatnot, like is that not part yes. of the deal? Yeah. 
Yes, correct. So any any uh, anyone that's racing the Australian Supercross is not allowed to compete in those practices on the Friday night. So um, yeah, we we only get to to rock up on the Saturday and and uh, and ride that. You know, we, which most people are, are not too bad. There's only a couple who have to switch back and forth. So um, yeah, I'm one of those guys that got to switch up to a different bike and just um, wait till the next day. But I think riding a 250 on the first night i think that's good i think it's a little bit easier to adjust to a 450 the following night um where some of the guys who are racing the 450 in the australian supercross switch into the 250 i think that's a little bit more hard to adjust to so um yeah like i said i'm looking forward to our first ride the bike on on saturday when we head out for practice and um go from there yeah i think i'd rather have that 250 to 450 switch where you might over jump the triple rather than under jump the triple <laughs> if you went the other way around on on the Saturday to the 250 class but um, yeah look it's it's an awesome opportunity so it's it's pretty impressive that you've been able to pick that up now one more question uh, here for the weekend are you then basically getting the whole gear switch over too like are you running that club colors and stuff or are you um, sticking to your own uh, I think it's seven and Alpine Star Gear, isn't it? You've been running with Serco. Um, do you have to run that same stuff, or are they bringing you something you know different to fit in with the team colours on on Club MX on on Saturday night? Yeah, so I'll, I'll be making the transition from from seven to uh, the the Club MX setup. So I think it's uh, FXR with sixty and Garnet. Yep. So um, yeah, I'll I'll have all the gear to fit in with the team and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. Yeah, that's that's really cool. So you have something to a, a memento to keep as well, mate. The jersey afterwards to hang on the wall and say, yeah, I did that. That was that was a that was a different opportunity. So that'd be pretty pretty neat as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think there's too many people out there that can say they've got you know a, a club MX jersey. So um, yeah, I think it's it's a great opportunity, and that's. But um, like like I said, I was honestly a little bit nervous at first because I was like, oh, don't have much time on the bike. It's a 450. But, you know, I thought about it a little bit and and um, I was like, man, it's a, it's, a, it's a great opportunity. So I'm just, yeah, like I said, I'm really looking forward to it. No expectations, no pressure to, to go out and, and, you know, do amazing. I just want to go out and, and ride a dirt bike and, and just have fun with it, enjoy the moment, the experience. That's what it's all about. So, um, yeah, honestly, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, as you should be. And yeah, look, I, I can't wait to see you in those colours on Saturday night and just see what you can do on that 450. It, it'll, um, yeah, it's just congratulations on the ride. I'm, I'm glad we can talk about it here on the Always Moto podcast. And look, safe travels to Melbourne. I'm assuming you're going this afternoon and, and heading down? Uh, I, f- I fly out tomorrow at oh, lunchtime. Sure. So, um, yeah, still, still got another day. I um, uh, actually got to head to to work for a few hours at fit stop tonight before before i head down so um yeah so fly out about lunchtime and and get it all happening for the weekend yeah nice well look um look after yourself for 24 hours make sure you get there enjoy this uh opportunity and uh we'll we'll definitely catch you over the weekend and uh get your thoughts on the club mx bike at the end of saturday night for another post-race interview mate yes yeah, sounds good mate uh, i appreciate you having me on and and uh, take me on, and um, yeah, we'll have a great chat Saturday night. Sounds good. See you then, Reese. Thank you. Hey guys, this is Grant Harlan, and this is the Always Moto Podcast. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Thanks for sticking around on the Always Moto Podcast. We snuck that in at the start. There, we've now got uh, we've the special guest is stuck in at the start. We've now got the contractor on the line, Benny. How are we doing, mate? 
I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. You, 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 of course, of the magic of pre-recording podcasts, you won't know who the special guest is right at this second, will you? No, I have no idea. Well, I'll fill you in because you're going to hear this later on. But uh, we had Reese Bud on, so yeah, thanks to Reese for making some time today to talk about that Club MX ride that you now know about, but he's already he's already spoken about. It's amazing how this jumbled world can come together in a in a succinct order after after post production. <laughs> You live, Benny? Yeah, I mean, what happened then? Nothing. Not a thing, mate. You oh, still there? Oh, yeah, I'm here, but I was hearing other voices. <laughs> oh, I'm not hearing nothing on my end. You must be. Is there something with your ear set, or is it just internally that you're hearing the voices? Has this happened before? No, this is the first time. It was really weird. I don't know what happened then. Must have been playing something in the background, mate. Did you got you got something weird playing on 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 Spotify or something? Or no, I got no other tabs open. Well, that's a new one on me. There's nothing on this end. All right. Well, let's now that you're hearing voices, let's ask what those voices. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, so let's look ahead, mate. Melbourne is this weekend. World Supercross, Oz Supercross, Friday night. World Supercross, Saturday night. It's going to be a big weekend for Always Moto and content production, buddy. Yeah, we've got a big job to do. Uh, it's pretty exciting, though, and um, it, you know, it'll be another good weekend. Hopefully, we might uh, see some, you know, see some listeners. Uh, I know there's a few people that want to, you know, catch up. So, uh, along with that, and yeah, doing everything else we're going to do, it'll be a big weekend. Yeah. Now, if you are actually going to be at the stadium watching the event. Um, I'm not sure about how flexible it will be this year in terms of us in the pit area getting out to the stadiums. It wasn't. It was okay last year as I could come up and out of the industry seating area into the stadium, um, you know, main stadium sections. So if you are in the stadium and you do spot us running around in a Always Moto shirt, I probably will have some stickers in my pocket. Um, so you should hit me up for that. And if you want some stickers when you're there, maybe you should send us a message to the Always Moto Instagram. Uh, send us a direct message and we can uh, try and meet you somewhere in the stadium. But you'll have to come down towards that industry seating entrance, which will be where the tunnel is that the riders are coming out of. So um, keep that in mind and you can uh, maybe snag yourself a couple of stickers if you're, if you're there. But you're going to have to message us or flag us down. Isn't that right, Benny? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I've run out of stickers myself, so I might have to um, get you to bring some too, extra ones just for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all good. Well, um, we can sort sort you out somehow, but yeah, I'll bring a few for the uh, for the listeners. If anyone wants to get a couple for their for their gear, their bike, whatever, we can uh, we can hook you up. So that'll be a cool thing. But yeah, make sure you do. If you do see us, um, make sure you say hello. It'll be cool to hear some listeners and. You know, you can always give us some positive and negative feedback. We'll take both. It's okay. We, we're, we're tough. We're thick-skinned. We can take it. But, um, but yeah, it'd be nice just to see some of you guys out there too. Uh, yeah, and, I mean, we've already had uh, people say, you know, in the chat, like we just said, they want to catch up. And uh, we've taken some criticism from them in the, in the group chat. So, um, you know, if they can then do it in person – and not hide behind, uh, you know, hide behind the keyboard. Well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, you're a bit bigger than you are, than you sound in, uh, you know, on on the on the podcast. And maybe they might have a second thought about uh, that, that smack talk. But anyway, let's um, look. I'm looking forward to it. it's going to be an awesome weekend. No matter what happens, the fact that we're there, we'll have all these 
you know, bikes, fancy bikes from the World Supercross running around. We'll have these big names in, you know, Ken Roxon and like Dean Wilson, as much as he's there for the Australian stuff, he's there for both sides of things, you know. We'll, you'll get to meet Vince Freeze. I've met him last year. Um, you know, who else was there? Michael Lessie's going to be there. Joey Savacci's going to be there. There's a bunch of different people that are going to be there um, that you wouldn't have actually probably got the chance to, to meet in person, but will be there. It, bugging them all with a microphone at some point and a video camera, so it'll be it's a bit of fun for us, um, racing side of things. I'm sure it's going to be a good round. Uh, it's going to be a full-size track as long as the track build goes all right. It starts tomorrow from everything that Adam Bailey's been putting up on his socials. They've been propping up the floor with their props in the car park for, uh, for their mandatory supports that they need to put in to put extra dirt and machines on top of the floor, which I still can't understand why they never built this to allow the venue to have different access points and uses. But anyway, that's what they've got to do. So a bit of an extra cost, I'm assuming, for SX Global. But it means that the event will be worthwhile being at. So lots of different aspects for us. In fact, we're away, get to fly down, you know, have the weekend away sort of thing and do something we love. It's going to be an awesome weekend. Yeah, well, you get to fly. I'll be driving. Uh bit shorter than the Newcastle drive, though, so I'm quite happy about that, actually. Is there um, even an airport that would access near, near you to get down there and back quickly enough? Uh, we have had multiple airlines come and not last the Melbourne trip because they do stupid... Uh, they just do stupid flights, whereas Sydney goes maybe three or four times daily, like back and forwards. Yeah. And Melbourne would like fly Monday and then not come back till Friday and then go back Friday or they'd fly Friday and not come back till Monday. That makes it hard, um, doesn't it? And, and, it, and it just, you know, people want to go down and watch the AFL, make it easier. Um, weekends like this, it would be 10 times easier. But, yeah, we just haven't had an airline that can actually, you know, last. So, um, yep, the five to six-hour drive is the, the way it goes. I can see why it hasn't lasted. Nobody really wants to go and see the gay AFL, mate. No, um, but, you know, <laughs> down here there'd be there's a lot of people that go. So, uh, you know, but even just concerts and stuff like that, you know, it would be good to good to have, a, you know, an easy way to get down there. But you know, it'll be a good weekend. Um, yeah, it's a, a lot of extra work for um, SX Global and that, you know, like you said, to put all the supports and everything up when, you know, from the start they could have just maybe built it, the stadium to withstand uh, something like that. But, uh, yeah, they do a good job and it's, you know, it's good to be able to see the behind the scenes with Adam on his uh, Instagram story. And uh, he put the same sort of story up last year and, um, you know, it just shows how much effort they put in to make it a really good event. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Adam's pretty open on that side of things for, you know, just the visuals. He's He's good on the socials in that side of things. He's not you know, making fantastically interesting content, but he's giving you an inside look at a lot of this stuff. So if you haven't already found him on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, or Instagram, you should because those sorts of little stories that he's popped up at most of the rounds um, have been interesting to see how things have gone together. So, yeah, worth a follow there. Now, Benny, we're going to have a bit of a look back and to, to see how our predictions have come together for the championship side of things so far in... The Australian Supercross uh, and then also World Supercross tonight to see how these things are going to pan out if we were, you know, at all looking into the future or if we're just talking out our butts. 
Yeah, we just we'll, we'll skip mine, uh, but we can talk about yours if you like. <laughs> Let's go through it. All right, so Australian Supercross. When we started this out, now the Australian Supercross was only a three-round championship. Much turned out to be much like the World Supercross, but at the time we thought there was going to be a lot more of these World Supercross rounds. Now, so the Australian side of things, we both picked Max Dancy for SX2, and I think that's turned out to be a pretty obvious pick after what's happened so far, him going undefeated in the SX2 class in the Australian Championship. Yeah, it's, you know, we've talked about it before, you know, weeks, the last few weeks and just his, you know, the role he's been on since the Oz Supercross season last year. Um, he's, you know, won in America, won, you know, nearly, what, every race here this year. Uh, and, yeah, he only needs, what, one point to get the title. So, um, you know, back then it was an obvious choice and it's turned out to be a good choice. Yeah, definitely a good choice on that side of things. Now, SX2 is another interesting one for you, not so interesting for me. I've picked out Dino originally for this and I'm like much like Max Ancy where you mentioned there, he just needs one point to seal this up. So I'm pretty confident that I've got the Australian champs picked for both classes for this weekend. But... Uh, Aaron Tanti was your pick, mate. It hasn't, unfortunately, as much as we love Aaron Tanti, it has not gone at all the way Aaron Tanti would have liked in terms of Australian Supercross in 2023. Yeah, no, I expected him, um, you know, he had a really good season last year up until that uh, crash at Newcastle. And then even then he came back and sort of did all right at, um, you know, in Wagga and then didn't have a too bad uh, motocross season but yeah I expected a little bit more out of him um, I thought it would be close but uh, yeah it hasn't you know it hasn't gone well that crash in Abu Dhabi was pretty rough and uh, Adelaide wasn't the greatest to start the um, series so yeah it's um, I think he's probably still in Abu Dhabi too I'm not sure with those uh, injuries but uh, yeah a bit disappointing to see but um, you know He'll, he'll get back up and um, go and do the AMA series next year and we'll see how he goes there. Yeah, to be fair, most of this is, you know, coming from in terms of his lack of position in the championship for the Australian side of things is the fact that he missed out on Newcastle and he's going to miss out on Melbourne because of that injury from the World Supercross round in Abu Dhabi. He is reportedly going to be back in town by this weekend, but we'll see if that all goes to plan. Um, so... Yeah, not a great thing there. But yes, that first round at Adelaide wasn't the greatest in terms of a result for him as a starting point, but at least he had points. But yeah, obviously missing those next rounds with injury um, outdid that any chance of anything happening for him. So such a short series, you miss one, that's the end of it. So yeah, not a wasn't a bad pick, but it just hasn't worked out that way for, for you or for Aaron in terms of that pick there for SX1. Now let's have a look. Um, let's go. We'll, we'll go with who's going to win um, the round at Melbourne for Australian Supercross next, and then we'll move into the world side of things. So, I would think, and I'm going to stick with those two championship guys because they are undefeated so far. But I'm going to stick with Dino for the SX1 win, and and Max Ancy for the SX2 win. Are you going to stick with that too, Benny, or are you going to go something different? I'm not sure. It could, you know, we've talked about it and it could go either way. Um, if, 
they only need the one point, will they try and win? Or, you know, if they get a bad start, will they bother pushing through? Uh, it is going to be a normal length main, so you would think towards the end they will be there anyway. Um, but if they don't have to push, um, yeah, it would just be a whether they do or they don't. But uh, I find it hard for Max not to win, but Dino I'm not so sure about. Okay, well then who are you going to put down? If you're not sure on Dino, are you going to switch him out for somebody or are you going to just leave and fence it on that Dino call? No, I think I'm going to sit on that Dino call. Okay, right. Well, yeah, I think, you know, uh, Brayton got injured in Paris um, and the only two people that were close to Dino at Newcastle were Luke Clout and Josh Hill, so... Uh, I think between the three of those, that'll be um, probably a repeating podium, just in what order, I'm not sure. Yeah. No, it, um, I think just my, my view on this is that they're, they're a class above both of them so far this season, and the fact of the 20-lap and the 15-lap, respectively, for the SX1 and 2 classes, they're going to be there just based on their speed and their you know experience from AMA events at that length. I can't see them not just eventually working their way to the front, even with a bad start, just based on their their speed over that time on a full-size track. So, yeah, I just can't see them not winning, to be honest. And like you said, JB just not being there. I, I, I don't know what – do we know what his status is? Because that's one thing that I haven't really worked out at this point. He didn't ride Paris at all, did he? I think I heard um – them say on pulp that he may have done one the first practice session and then tweaked his shoulder and then tried to do the second but couldn't do it and then didn't race anything um so yeah who who knows where he's at um he's flown back here obviously and he'll be there but yeah whether he can actually do anything will be another another question well i i would think that and this might come into our next side of topic um for the World Supercross Team Championships aspect, he might be trying to save himself for Saturday night so that he can get some points in that for the Firepower Honda guys because they're actually leading that at present. Um, so that might be an influencing factor there as well. Or then does Uribe have somebody up his sleeve if Brayton does pull out that they throw onto Brayton's bike, you know, f- to run that uh, that's position know to try and get some points in the team championship on on for the world side of things because i'm assuming that's going to be some financial benefit for your there and firepower honda yeah um yeah do you like you said do you keep him you know does he just not worry about it um i don't want to say it but you know he didn't get that six straight title um and you know yeah and yeah do you just skip friday night try your best saturday night it'll yeah just it'll just depend because even then you know just trying could end up bad but uh anyway we'll just have to yeah see what he does Mm -hmm. i'm sure we can we can talk to him in the pits and find out before uh before Saturday night comes anyway. Well, hopefully we'll see him around at some point on the Friday. Um, and if not, we'll be probably trying to catch your even and, and ask him what's what's the status. So, yeah, keep an eye on those socials from, from us. Hopefully we'll have something about his, you know, abilities at some point on Friday to, to pass on. So, yeah, stick with us and we'll, we'll help out on that side of things. 
Now we've we've sort of just jumped into that because of that conversation there, but that teams championship, um, we had a bit of a pick about this as well for who would potentially be there, and I went Firepower Honda. They're currently leading, and Benny, you went uh, CDR Yamaha, mate. Uh, it hasn't really worked out for you on that side of things, I don't think. No, I think I just cursed them from the start. Um, yeah, it hasn't gone well at all. Um, they didn't have a really good first round and they've lost riders. Um, apparently, they're not even having a fill-in rider this weekend for um, TNT. So, yeah, the championship for them is going to be a bit hard to uh, yeah to get a hold of. Yeah, it's that's the interesting part for me. We'll talk a little bit about this in the emergency department. But, yeah, so Tanti is obviously out. He hasn't been able to get back from Abu Dhabi. So they haven't had a rider. They obviously lost Grant Harlan originally that caused this um, switch up for Tanti to go up to the 450 and uh, bring in Robbie Wageman for the 250 class. But, yeah, the, the word is they're not filling in that spot um, for Melbourne. And as far as I knew from last year's intel that I got when I was in the pits, there is actually a fine for teams not to fill those positions at each round. Now, whether there's some sort of exemption request that they've made to WSX about that because of the injury status with their team so far, don't know to try and, you know, maybe they tried to get themselves exempt from that. But yeah, I'm curious to, again, get to the pits on Friday and, find out what the scenario is there for, for them and, and why they maybe haven't filled in or maybe they couldn't fill in. So there might be more to this story. But, yeah, they haven't they haven't had a great run in this team's championship. Yeah, and so now I think uh, next year I'll just uh, stay away from <laughs> any title picks. <laughs> I think it might just be safer it makes for, for the enta- teams and for me. It makes for entertainment now for me. Like I'm looking like a genius compared to what you... <laughs> what you've come up with but um it's not not entirely how it's meant to go <laughs> no nah, that's all right we'll uh yeah we'll see the results on the weekend and then um you know we got what four weeks till uh a1 and we'll make some more predictions and see how they go yeah we'll probably both look horrible for that because i'm sure that will be way off but we'll, um we shall see now while we're still on champ picks We've got one more to go, and that's the world title for these World Supercross events, so the WSX class and the SX2 class. Now, we had two different SX2 picks. Now, I had Max Anstey, and you had Shane McElrath. Now, I did put in a toss-up between Oldenburg, McElrath, and Lopes. Now, as, as additional comments on that, now, Lopes obviously disappeared because he got a different team sign. Oldenburg's actually moved to the 450 class and McElrath was your pick and hence I didn't sort of go there. But those four guys for me were the top four. It seemed like that at the first round because that was sort of the the, the running four. Um, but obviously things have changed a lot. But Max Anstey was my pick at that point. And at this stage, he is leading into this final round. Now McElrath is second, but there is a decent gap on that for him given what happened at round two in Abu Dhabi for McElrath. Yeah, and like I said before, my picks haven't gone the greatest. Everyone I've picked has um, been pretty bad. So, uh, yeah, I expect it would probably be a little bit better. Uh, I'm not sure really what's going on. Um, I mean, you can probably maybe excuse Abu Dhabi a little bit with, you know, short track starting on the back row for Shane. But, 
um, yeah, you'll need to pull a finger out and have some luck with Anstey to, um, you know, retain that title. Yeah, that's going to be quite hard for him to do. He's uh, 32 points down. So, yeah, he's got a... He's got a fair gap to make up to Anstey. So I th- I'm pretty confident in Anstey getting this done, but stranger things have happened. Now, the 450 class, the WSX class, this is a lot tighter. And both of us have picked Ken Roxon as the, the championship pick for both of us, but he's currently in second in points. He's five points down on Joey Savacci. Not how I saw this going for Kenny at this point in time. No, I didn't either. And, um, you know, it came down to the last round, you know, it came down to the last race in Melbourne last year um, between him and I think there were three people that could have won in that last race. Um, but, you know, I, I, Savachi's only got to be consistent in, um, you know, all three races and it's going to make it, you know, pretty hard for Kenny if he uh, if he doesn't win, you know, He's pretty much got to win all three and then hope, you know, hope for the best. So um, we could, you know, we could have a new title, number one, come uh, Saturday night. Yeah, we could. Um, And look, if Joey gets it done, it'd be pretty impressive. And hopefully, you know, maybe a monkey off the back for Joey um, in terms of him getting titles and stuff as a professional. This would be his first, so... Yeah, given the history there for him way back in Vegas, I'm sure he'd like to finally get one done. So we'll see how that plays out. But I still feel if everything, if there's no bike issues like what happened last year for Kenny that caused that last moto to be the deciding factor, if there's nothing of that nature, I feel that Kenny gets this done. I just, I can't see him getting beaten by that much, you know, like... um, He's got the speed over most of these guys. If everything goes to plan, I think he gets this done easily. Yeah, I think so. You know, as long as the starts are on point, um, you know, and it's a bit bigger track um, and there's no uh, freezy train, uh, I think we should be, you know, he should be all right. Now, on that, you sort of brought up an interesting point about last year and it sort of thinks about things with the overall series and how it's gone this year in terms of that format with the three races, you know, the points working out across the the three races and the short duration races, like they're really short, like eight laps and six laps or, yeah, I think it's eight and six. Um, Do you think, and, and I'll get to my opinion here in a sec once I've asked the question, but do you think that this format is good for the entertainment purposes and to, to sacrifice the maybe the fastest rider from actually being able to show their true potential? Or do you think we should be going the other way and getting and having these things either a tiny bit longer or a tiny bit different format so that someone like a Ken Roxon, who in this field is a clear, you know, on paper winner of this championship, to give them a better chance at actually winning it? For me, I don't necessarily like the fact that Ken isn't in the point of potentially winning this. I didn't mind the fact that he had to start from the second row and work his way through because that was an entertainment for the night. But I feel that the race and that format was not like in the track size in Abu Dhabi was not ideal for that. If the race was a tiny bit longer, the track was a little bit 
bigger, which has obviously been a conversation that we've had for a while now with these things, that if it was bigger that allowed more passing, then I'd be okay with that other format, like in terms of the, the way it's gone for an entertainment purpose. But I think I still want to have this, and and World and SX Global would probably be thinking this too, given the amount of money they're rumoured to have paid Kenny to be a part of this series for the next few years. They want to obviously see him winning it as a promotional tool um, to promote the series ongoing. I think they need to make some tweaks to ensure that those things happen ongoing because you don't want to have these sorts of guys turning up and then through the sheer chaos of racing in a short duration race in a tight track that can't be passed, not being able to use their skills and work their way to the front. I don't think that's entertainment on a on a scale of knowing what should kind of should happen. But then again, the whole bit about the fan bit that Adam Bailey's mentioned before and going to a new market like Abu Dhabi where they're not going to know who Ken Roxon is, um, that maybe negates my argument. Benny, your thoughts on this? Um, for me, you know, we grow up and you watch, you know, obviously before World Supercross came along, we're all watching the AMA. You've got, you know, your full-length mains and everything like that. Um, we've had them here throughout the Australian Supercross races at times. For me, I'd prefer the longer, like, races, but when it comes to, you know, like last year, it came down to the last race. It does make it more exciting and you're more on the edge of your seat watching triple crown races. Um, they could probably be a little bit longer, but there's, you know, there's three starts, there's three chances for, you know, first turn pileups for, you know, all that sort of stuff, which can take the riders out. Um, it can happen in one race too, but, you know, you've got more chances in triple crowns. Um, so from a fan perspective, it's it's more exciting. But I think for me, at some points, I would rather see a full-length main like we'll see on Friday night for the Australian Supercross. But then too, you've got, like you said, Kenny out front. If he gets out front, then that's it. Like he's gone, he might have a big lead and it'll just be battles for the you know the minor placings behind so uh, i think you've just got to stick to that fan experience uh like adam says and just yeah go with the triple crown sort of format but i think yeah we need to tweak them a little bit maybe make them a bit longer um and just you know talk to the riders see what you know they need help with see what they would you know want to change don't let them have too much say but if it's going to make it better for everyone then you know they need to i guess have some say in it and um and then you know i guess get the fans to maybe do surveys or something just to see what they think as well and then put everything together and see what they can you know change and how they can make it better yeah, I think you're onto something there about getting that input from from all sides of the of the argument. Um, but while you're talking, I was wondering about, and I haven't been a fan of this with like Formula One and MotoGP in the terms of having sprint races and then the normal GP race. But I kind of feel this is maybe where you could split the difference for World Supercross, and you had to have the sprint race to have that entertainment purposes, where you potentially do invert the grid or you know have a dual lined grid for the sprint race and it's short and and it's 
half points or something like that, or it's, you know, single points, and then have a normal GP length, 20 laps, 20 minutes, whichever way you want to go about it, um, as the main event that is full points or double points to try and then give the guys like the Kennys and that that ability to distance themselves in those events. So they still then end up with, hopefully... You know the the person who potentially should win winning, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you know the pan the the fans the fans are paying good money to see um, you know see these guys race, and uh, you know the more track time they have, the better it is. Uh, I don't know, yeah, you know, like you said, you could put a sprint race in. I don't know how that would work out with the the time slot or whether that was just, you know, maybe a bit earlier in the day and not televised, I don't know, um, and then have your normal race later on. Um, but, yeah, the more the more track time they get, the better, um, and whatever way they can work that in, um, that would, you know, that would be good for the fan experience. Mm, yeah, there's got to be got to be some more tweaks to this series just yet. Um, and that might be something that we get to here as our next point is that is my favorite area of this thing that seems to keep recurring metal ramps at the jumps at the, at the finish line track uh, finish line track finish line position on these world supercross tracks. It's returning this week in Melbourne. It's been conveniently absent, which might've actually helped them in Abu Dhabi to prevent having to blow up another couple of excavators or posi tracks. Um, you know, and make it easier to build the finish line. But they didn't have it there. They've got it back here in Melbourne. I I don't want it there. But then there's a point I want to make that might be useful for it to be there on track that is actually something that I noticed at Newcastle, Benny, and I didn't mention it the other day. I was saving it for this scenario. Is that what if that jump ramp is there and it means that you can then extend the track and use more of the floor space like that that they didn't do in Newcastle because they then had the freestyle area set up at the end that then prevented them from using a good 20-odd, 30-odd metres of floor space at Newcastle that they could have used to build the track longer, you know, wider, whatever. Um, obviously, that's more cost involved for dirt, transportation dirt plywood you know all that but is that something that then i think that's something i'd be willing to sacrifice and be going with this metal ramp if that meant that that's what was being done they were then utilizing the space differently at a venue like newcastle melbourne i'm not sure that they've got anything else that they could do for freestyle and that's why they've integrated it into the you know the main track well see they don't use that ramp for freestyle in melbourne anyway they have another they one sort of right it, beside they? it so then that then goes yeah. back to why they then don't need to have it in the racetrack but then why did they do a separate freestyle area in newcastle why didn't they put the ramp in the track to land on the down ramp of the finish line anyway like they do in melbourne um and then build more track yeah i'm not sure i mean there, yeah there was no room between that lane just before the finish line jump and 
uh, the actual jump to put a ramp for freestyle. No, but if you know that that's the plan, um, you build it slightly differently, don't you? And you, you obviously have space somehow in there, um, which is funny. You actually reminded me of something that's going to come up in an interview with um, Luke Zelinski later on about how the the gates, the outside gates were pointing directly at the one of the berms on, on the Newcastle track and how that wasn't really a you know, fair start sort of thing. So obviously the track build could use some work in general. Uh, yeah, I think so too. I mean, but you take the, you know, you put the metal ramp in, you've got, you know, not a lot, but a little bit extra dirt to put somewhere else. Um, I mean, that finish line jump, the down ramp last year was ridiculous. It was huge. Um, but, yeah, if they can, I guess, utilise that dirt for somewhere else, it helps. Um, but I think it's just trying to be different as well. Um, you yeah. know, no other racing has has the metal ramps. Um, but it will be interesting to see if, you know, there's they've said that that wasn't the reason for the flat tyres, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, there was... There was plenty of flat tires, so we'll see. And we'll see this year what happens. Well, if there's a flat tire, everyone's going to point to the metal ramp, aren't they? So, uh, I think they're going to shoot themselves in the foot on that aspect. But let's. I'm going to bring something back up from previous show. Let's add some context here. I've just thought of this, right? And I might be wrong. We can maybe try and get this from Adam Bailey on the weekend. But the whole at the start of the show, we're talking about Adam's um, social post with the props holding up the floor between the car park and the the stadium floor. What if they're saving weight of the dirt for the jump by putting in the metal ramp? Is that the context that we're looking for to have this argument, you know, actually make sense? I don't know. There's that much dirt on there already. (laughs) I don't know if, 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 if one takeoff ramp is going to be the, be the difference. I mean, it could be, um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, look, I don't know either. But I just I just sort of thought of I thought of that. And I thought oh, I'm going to throw in the context comment again because that was that was from the last World Supercross show. So maybe there's context that we don't know as to why this ramp is reappeared in Melbourne. But anyway, we'll 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 maybe ask for some context clarification on on Friday, Saturday, Benny. All right, let's um, – well, last thing before we go into um, our mate's banter section, um, who's going to win Melbourne round of SX1 and SX2, Benny? Have you got any picks for us, mate? Um, I'm really not sure. Uh, it's That's not the answer I was looking for. I'll give you like 10 no. seconds to think about this at least. But uh, I'm going to put down – I think obviously Ken is going to win SX1. I feel like he's going to put everybody to the sword and just show that he should have this title, barring any flat tires on a metal ramp. Yeah, it's yeah, you know, it's not a bad pick, and he needs to win for the title. So uh, you know, I and yeah, you know, it'll be good for everyone for Ken to win. Um, and I think you know, like I said earlier, he has to win probably all three, um, and I think he'll. He'll at least win one, I would say. But, yeah, put put him down for me as a, a winner. Righto. The only one that I think can turn this up, I don't think Joey's going to actually win overall. He might win a moto. But you know who I think could turn this on its head is Dean Wilson. Dean Wilson's going to have Friday night. Like, yes, Kenny gets Friday night practice session. 
But Dino's going to have multiple sessions on track on Friday for the Oz Supercross round. He's going to have 20-lap main event under his belt. He's going to know the inside and outs of that track really well. So Super Pole for Dino. Mark it down now. If it's not Ken, it'll be Dean. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Uh, that's, you know, he's he's the closest one. And like you said, all that extra time. Um, it has can to he help, gets surely. a practice or yeah, yeah, can he gets a practice or two um, on Friday and last year that was only really quick, um, quick practice. So yeah, I think for you know Dean to be on the track basically all weekend, um, I think it'll make a difference. Yeah, it's going to make a massive difference, I think, but could be wrong. But I just feel like that will be really helpful for Dino just in terms of, especially that Super Bowl lap. He's going to know the track really well by that point. So. Could be interesting. Now, SX2. Um, we've been talking about Max Dancy. We've been talking about Shane McElrath. One, I think Shane McElrath is going to have a point to prove after his poor Abu Dhabi. Uh, Max might be playing it a tiny bit safe just to ensure that he gets that goal of his that he's mentioned a few times now on different things that I've seen from Max Dancy about getting, being the first world, um, British world champion in like, 20, 30 years or whatever it is in the world of motorsport, uh, like in, in moto. Um, so he might be playing that a little bit conservative. But then there's another one that I think might actually finally show up and he didn't really get a chance to at Abu Dhabi and that's Carson Mumford. I wonder if Carson's got something in order here on a full-size track with with single you know single row of gates. I wonder if Carson's got something up his sleeve now that he's had a bit more time on this Moto Concepts bike. Uh, yeah, it's possible. Um, I still think that you know Max will be the the standout. Um, but I tell you, I'm really interested to see how uh, Nathan Crawford does on Saturday night as the wild card against you know against these big boys. Um, he wasn't too far behind Max last week or well, in Newcastle. It was just the whoops that sort of let him down a bit. Um, so, yeah, that'll be interesting to see too. But, yeah, I think Max will, you know, I think Max will have it covered um, and, yeah, clean up the two titles in two nights. All right, so I'm going to put you down for Max. I'm going to put myself down for, for Shane McElrath at this point and we'll see what happens at the end of the night. All right, let's – are you ready for the next segment, Benny? I'm always ready for uh, for the banter. All right, let's hit Blair's banter. Let's see what he's got for us this week. Fellas, excited about this weekend or what? I can't wait to go to Melbourne. I'm so excited. Anyhow, um, look, there's a lot of chatter around about World Supercross being saved by this round at Melbourne. It's always been a good round. Like, whether it was World Supercross last year or Oz X Open, they put on a great round in Australia. So... Do World Supercross need to come out with a six-round series to give to everyone at this round? Not the fans, the lovers, the haters, the riders, give everyone assurance and to show some dignity in their words that it's going to be a it's going to be a World Supercross and it's going to be a good series. I hope they do. Um, it will shut a lot of people up in the media, the negative side. So what do you guys think about that one? All right. I I feel like partway through that, I just wanted to say yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, 
they can come out with, you know, more rounds and whatever next year. Like you said, this has always been a good round. Ozex Open last year. Um, it's been, you know, both those years, like, you know, we saw Jet in 2019 come and race, and that was brilliant. Um, that track was big. Uh, last year's track was big as well. And, uh, you know, we think this one will be uh, a lot bigger than what we've had. But you're still going to have the haters. You're still going to have the people that are, you know, that want to see more racing. Um, it is, you know, it was good last year and people still doubted it. And, you know, you've got a certain group of people that just like AMAs it. They don't want anything else trying to, you know, go against that. And that's fine. They have their, you know, they can think what they want. But this round will be better uh, than, you know, obviously Abu Dhabi and uh, England earlier in the year. But you're still, no matter what, um, you're still going to have the people that doubt it. And it just, you know, with social media, it just makes it really hard. Yeah, look, all of that's valid. Um, this round will be sort of this the saving grace and hopefully the, you know, the picture that they see, that they leave the 2023, like the fans, people watching at home, leave the impression of 2023 World Supercross with that they see this full-size stadium, they see a venue, full, you know, hopefully fairly full of fans watching, you know, in the stadium, you know, hopefully good racing. Yes, hopefully that then translates into their their lasting memory of 2023 Supercross. Is this a, it, World Supercross? Is this event um, exactly what he said about having like six rounds? Yes, they need to do something like that to make this legitimate. Uh, I would like to see something that where it runs between that October to November, like that from the beginning of October to the end of November, so that they give themselves that window where it's not overlapping AMA Super Motocross series and not eating into that December month that they really want to be at home testing, boot camping, whatever. You know, the earlier they can finish in November, if they could finish two weeks into November and have two still two full weeks left in November, that's a six-week boot camp period that they could still do in the AMA um, and be at home for those sorts of guys and then attract different riders. That would be that would make this look a whole lot different if they then went to six different venues, six different countries, six full-size venues. Let's add that little in there in the side, full-size venues. So we can get a full-size Supercross track on all these places. I think you would see a very different opinion of the World Supercross from just about everybody. Yeah, and they need to have six rounds, good racing, complete every single one before anyone's minds change. Um, and until until that happens, you know, we were supposed to have however many this year. They got cancelled and people just laugh and go, that's it, World Supercross is done. Nothing else is going to happen. Uh, and then, you know, luckily for us, we got some new investors and they came back. Um, but, yeah, until they do a full series with the full-size tracks and everyone can see that, they've completed it. Kenny just doesn't win a title on two races like last year or whoever wins this year doesn't just win from three races. They win from six different ones. Um, there's still going to be those people that have their doubts and... Um, you know, it's 
three races is you know they class it as a series, but you know you need you need more to have a you know to have a decent series. Yeah, one hundred percent. Now the other part of this, Benny, I'm a little concerned. Blair's excited; he's going to be in Melbourne. I'm surprised he um, couldn't couldn't make that you know few hour drive to to Newcastle the other day. <laughs> Um, so I'm surprised, you know, I suppose he doesn't, he's probably flying. So it cuts out the, the hours for him, I guess. But, uh, yeah, no, like we said, we want to see people that are in the group chat or, you know, listen to the podcast and whatever. So it'd be good to meet Blair and, uh, you know, you've talked to him on the phone. I've only talked to him through the group chat, but, um, you know, it'd be good to actually meet some people in um, person and, you know, we'll we'll give him plenty of banter while he's there. Don't worry. I'm sure he's um, going to have some ammo for the banter the week after too. While he's there, if he's uh, excited and something uh, goes wrong, he's gonna he's gonna be making notes for sure. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, it's just easier, you know, when you you see people in person. Um, I mean, World Supercross last year, I think that was the first time I saw you in person, and I only saw you for probably five minutes. And then um, that was it for twelve months, nearly. So <laughs> I was on the uh, move. It's in, in. I was on the move in in, in Melbourne last year. So yeah, that I was enjoy. Still. Yeah, um, enjoy doing. You know, watching what you're watching and talking about it and discussing it and you know all that sort of stuff. It makes it uh, a lot better. And you know, him coming on here with his questions each week gives us you know a little bit extra to talk about that we may may or may not have thought about. So, um, yeah, I'm sure there'll be plenty of questions next week. And, um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, look, looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing him. Hope his excitement level makes it through the entire weekend. We'll see how that plays out. But, no, good Blair's banter this week. Um, I'm expecting a better one the following week. So we'll see how it pans out. All right, Benny, any final words before we uh, head pack our bags and head to Melbourne? Uh, yes, well, I'm off tomorrow. I need to just go and finish packing my my bag, and then um, you know, lunchtime tomorrow I'll be gone. But I did just see, and I sent it in the group chat, the um, an hour ago. So it's now nine fifty uh, New South Wales time. An hour ago, them putting the first dirt down on Marvel Stadium. Yeah, wow. So they haven't got it. They've got a short window to get this built. So you know, the other part of that that's a problem for them is maintaining moisture once it's in there. Yeah, and I think it makes it a bit easier that they have the roof shut the whole time. Uh, like it's not New- Newcastle, it's not just going to get wet and then bake in the sun. Um, so I think it's a little bit easier, but uh, yeah, it's still a big job. Yeah, it's massive. But by the time we get there, it'll be all done. They'll be on, tr- on top of the track going at it. So looking forward to it. All right, let's um, let's take a quick break here on the Always Moto podcast brought to you by Lee at Moto Australia. We're going to come back. We've got two interviews tonight. We've got Campbell Williams, and we'll follow that up with Luke Zeninski, uh, and then we'll be back to wrap it all up. So back shortly, quick break. Hey, guys, it's Luke Nice. I'll be riding for Club Max Yamaha and the World Supercross Series, and you're listening to the Always Moto podcast. All right, guys and girls, joining us this week on the Always Moto podcast brought to you by Liat Moto Australia. It's the number 82 from Empire Kawasaki. It's Campbell Williams. How are we doing, Campbell? Good, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no dramas, mate. Appreciate it. Um, some time that you've given us. And uh, I had to sort of reach out to you. I, I was a bit shocked when I was wandering through the pits in Newcastle and you weren't there with the gear on, mate. 
yeah, unfortunately, about three weeks ago now, I sustained an injury in my back, breaking my L3, L5 and T12 and had a lot of soft tissue damage. So I was unable to ride Newcastle, which was a bit of a bummer. But yeah, a lot of people didn't really know I was injured coming into Newcastle. It was sort of only got released the other day. And yeah, it's just been kept on the down low because I don't really like talking about it and obviously it's a bit of a frustrating situation going into my first year of Supercross obviously you want to sustain a championship and you do really well at the first round and then you get injured it kind of sucks but it's kind of the game we play I guess yeah it can be a real kick in the teeth at times like you literally said you came off a you got a podium at that opening round in Adelaide which is an awesome achievement and then yeah literally a couple of days later you you kicked in the ass and and you know the things just turned on its head. It's not how you want the season to go, but it, like you said, it's motocross, and I say it all the time here. It's one of my little tags that I put up on our post. It's injuries are a part of moto, unfortunately. Yeah, that's exactly right, and not just motorbikes. I think it's any high end sport in athletics or whatever it might be. It's just a part of what we do, and we take risks every time we go out on the track whether it's people don't realize every day we train through the week every day we go out there it's a risk so yeah for us to make it to the weekends and sustain out the championship is obviously our goal but if we get injured during practice or racing on the weekends it's obviously generally unfortunate and yeah it's just a part of the game yeah it is now let's let's dive into this injury a little bit for yourself now you mentioned l3 l5 all lumbar vertebrae and t12 there a thoracic vertebrae um you've done a number on yourself to get the three of them broken um obviously first question no no cord issues because you're up and about from what i understand yeah yeah i um was walking semi-okay i was on crutches going in before the hospital and then um, yeah, they pretty much got the CT scan and said, your spinal cord's all good. There's no damage there and all my neck and everything, my high vertebrae were all good. And then, yeah, they just said pretty much at the moment, we can just see three fractures in different spots. And all we want you to do is just take it easy for the next six weeks, no high physical activity. And then they actually didn't really want me to ride for 12 weeks, but to see how we go. I get scans in two weeks' time from now at the spinal unit down in Wollongong, and, yeah, we'll just see what they say, and then we'll go from there. That's a usual moto response. They said 12, but I'm going to see if I can get eight or six out of it. So that's the usual thing, mate. That's pretty pretty regular. Now, these fractures, you might not know. I'm going to ask anyway, and we'll see what you can tell us. Are they part of those little wings that are that you've broken on that spurred off the sides of the vertebra are they right through the main part of the body do you, do you know what parts you actually broke on these vertebra because there's lots of different areas that can be impacted here um i can't actually remember what they're called i think they start with s but the wings on my left side so yep no right side damage it's my two left wings and then obviously my t12 yep so the t12 did it get through the body then did it Ah, yes. Yeah, nice. Okay, so, well, not nice, but (laughs) bad choice of words there, David. But anyway, um, no, look, yeah, so you've obviously done the the transverse process on those lumbar bits, and that would have been from a bit of a twist or a flex as you you jammed yourself in the ground by the sounds of it. But, yeah, to get the body more of a compressive force. So you've done a number on yourself, mate. It wasn't wasn't obviously a pretty crash. No, definitely not. It was a bit unfortunate. At the point in time, I kind of knew... 
as soon as what I did, I was going down a big way. I was obviously halfway through a rhythm section. I knew it wasn't going to be pretty. And yeah, I kind of couldn't really brace for impact or eject from my bike. And it kind of just spat me and landed straight on my lower back. And that was all it was, I guess. Mm. Well, that's, yeah, look, so nothing else. Uh, only the back injury didn't get any other little things along the way, did you, as well? No, I was okay after it. Like, I rode back and stuff obviously i was still in a lot of shock but no concussion or no head damage nice the rest of my body was pretty good so yeah i definitely got out of it a lot better than what it could have been obviously it wasn't great no one wants to break vertebrae in their back but ideally the way i hit the ground i thought i was pretty lucky considering and yeah obviously no spinal damage uh, spinal cord damage so that was a big yes yeah it's a really nice aspect when you get up and you can still move everything that's a, a really positive sign so yeah look not good but yeah as good as it could be considering how bad it went by the sounds of it so that's good now rehab wise obviously this is a a delicate area for you uh, you know a couple of fractured areas so it's not like you can just sort of stop one or two movements but i'm guessing you were probably limited a fair bit in the week, first week or so after the injury. You said you're about halfway through this bone fracture healing time. Um, what have you been allowed to do so far? Are you allowed to do some stationary cycling or are you not allowed to sit on, on a you know bike seat like that because of the pressure up the spine? Um, to be really honest, they kind of were pretty strict on me when I left. And I think at the time it was late at night and the spinal unit made sure she came in after hours and said to me pretty much don't do anything but I got home two days after I was out of hospital and I was just itching to do a bit of fitness and I got back on the stationary cycle straight away and I didn't really have any pain so I've pretty much been doing that every afternoon since um, the injury so it's probably been three weeks now and then the last week I've been doing lots of ice baths and sauna and some light upper body weights at the gym, but nothing's been affecting it. And I haven't been waking up sore in whatsoever way. So, yeah, at the moment, it's just been step by step. I try to listen to the doctor as best as possible, but they told me not to move for six weeks. And mm. it's kind of hard when you don't really want to sit still and do nothing for six weeks and you want to be proactive about it. Well, that's also a bit of a an old school approach. Like speaking myself as a physio at this point in time, it's um, it's that lay down and do nothing when you've got a you know broken bone, particularly back injury that we've tried to move away from it with you know research and stuff that's come through because you know activity is what helps bring new blood flow to the area, you know all the nutrients it needed to make the bones heal quicker and just maintain the musculature around it so you're not putting pressure on those on those bones that are broken because the muscles are holding things better it's better to keep moving as long as it is like you just sort of described there you've been doing some modified activity and it's been pain-free so in my mind it sounds like you've either been doing really well yourself or somebody's been giving you some good advice on the activities that you can and can't do when you've been seeing them have you been seeing somebody from like a, a physio point of view or anything since the hospital reviews that you've had done yeah, so when I first got home, it was kind of just on my own. I've had a fair few injuries now, as we all do in motocross and <laughs> yeah. high-end sports. We know what it's like to sit on the couch and deal with a big injury. So it's kind of just like I feel like I've learned over the years, like you said, getting that blood flow and not stop doing activity. Obviously, don't do something stupid that's going to put you in 
danger of hurting it or re-injuring that injury around that area. But definitely keep yourself moving and trying to be active is probably better than just sitting on the couch and doing nothing. And then, yeah, I seen my physio a couple of days after I got back and I told him I'd started cycling and he wasn't too stressed about it. He said, obviously, it's probably the best thing for you. Like you said, getting your blood flow going and stuff. And he was pretty surprised how I was already getting around after the first week. So, yeah, we've just been going step by step and we've made big progress. And to be honest, I didn't really think I'd be walking around this well after three weeks, but everything's pretty much pain-free at the moment. And, yeah, I feel like I want to ride, but it's obviously not possible at the moment. There's no point in risking anything. No, it's, yeah, it's obviously your spine. You want to make sure it's healed before you go and do jump back on the bike and, you know, try and seat bounce a three in or something. So it's it's something you might need to wait a little bit of time on. But you mentioned here that you've got um, some scans in a few weeks, I think you said. So, um, yeah, obviously looking to get cleared shortly after that, I gather. Yeah, they want to do some scans on my back to see how it's all healing and see if them wings... And the T12, because I think I cracked the T12 pretty good. So they want to just see that everything's all back intact after six weeks. And then I think they're going to say, oh, you can start doing physical activity, but I've already been doing that. So <laughs> You'll be like, yeah, hopefully. yeah, yep, I'll start doing that. Yes, right away. <laughs> yeah, hopefully my six weeks is me getting back on the bike. So that's the goal, ideally. Um, I do want to race Melbourne, but it's just... Wait Sounds see, crazy. I, gather. Race, I think people are going to think I'm crazy for racing with a broken back. So, yeah, I think I need to be a bit more sensible and see how I go after I speak to the spawner in two weeks' time and then maybe just focus on getting prepared for other things. Yeah, look, uh, one, it's obviously that scan is going to tell you something as to whether it's all joined back up, and that's where the spinal unit will be, you know, giving you that advice. But I think the next qu next point of this is then you're obviously talking with your physio who's been seeing you do these other activities, and if they can do things to you and test you out to see if you've got any pain when they put pressure, pressure on it, um, you know, do some movements and, and, you know, if nothing's, nothing's sore, well, then there's, there's every chance that, you, you know, might be fine. But if you do something in that sort of physio setting and they're testing you out and you get a little bit of discomfort or you're weak, then that might help make that decision as to whether Melbourne's a go or not. So it's not crazy. It's just you've got to make sure that you, you tick the boxes beforehand that you prove that you're actually capable of doing what you want, want to go and do, you know, and it's not too soon that's all that's 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 the advice i give to everybody check the boxes before you get there you know that's exactly right and like you said you don't want to you try and heal everything as best as possible and you know as athletes we always try and have our recovery time and push ourselves compared to what the doctor will tell us and then we always go back to them and they're pretty shocked with how well we've healed ourselves but yeah at the end of the day you don't want to get back on the bike and have that niggling pain in your back when you ride every day. It'll just be very uncomfortable. You just want to know that you can get back on and everything's fine and you feel like normal. Yeah, exactly. Now, given this, this this sort of motivation that I can hear when you're talking about doing these exercises, obviously you've been able to get up and do this stuff, you know, with the injury. I'm curious as to what your sort of training pattern is before this all happened, obviously with Supercross coming in in a short series. I'm assuming you had a pretty good run-in in terms of training on bike side of things, and I gather you're pretty often and frequent with this sort of thing. What sort of program did you have going before the season kicked off here for Supercross in Australia? 
Um, so I moved back home. I left the Beatons Pro Formula Camp down there in Victoria and I come back home to stay with my parents for the end of the year and just have a bit of that homely experience. And then, yeah, I reached out to Hayden Meros. He only lives an hour and a half from me. So he started coaching me before Supercross started and he's been the best thing for me so far with Supercross. He's helped me do anything and everything I can, you know, couldn't have done what I did at Adelaide without him and yeah his structure's been so well on and off the bike he gets in the gym with us when we're there and yeah he makes sure we eat well he cooks all the meals and everything at his house so we're definitely we were on a strong program there and everything was really good and then yeah at the moment I've done a lot of years of off bike training and I've learned from living with like Jed and Kyle and just a lot of really good athletes so I've had personal trainers and I sort of know what I need to do now to sustain a good off-bike fitness as well as on-bike. And, yeah, I just come back home and do CrossFit and do a lot of cycling. And, like, yeah, like I said the other day on another podcast, I love running. And Unfortunately, it's not something I can do, but mm-hmm. at the moment I'm just stationary cycling just to do something to kill the time and try and stay semi-fit whilst I can't put load on my back. Yeah, right. So you you like running. That's an unusual <laughs> unusual comment to put together, like and running. They don't usually go together. Most people hate running. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. It's just I've always been really good at running since I was a little kid and always used to look forward to all the cross countries and stuff and school activities. And, yeah, it's just something like I probably prefer over cycling or anything or going to the gym, like just put my headphones on and, you know, you can just be with yourself and go for a run and just kill time. You know, it's a good workout. So yeah, it's a real. It is actually a really good version of a workout. There's obviously things that go along with it in terms of impact loads, and you know, I always, whenever I'm driving in a car and the wife's with me, she always hates it because I want to wind down the window and yell at people who are running on footpaths and on the road because you know the impact loads through their knees and hips and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, run on the grass, you know, you moron. It's um. Look, it's a good thing. It can be get. It's a lot shorter time that you need to do it for to get the same benefits than say going for a road cycle because the road cycle is sort of a two hour to get that, you know, the same effort and load and energy expenditure that you would get in sort of like a half an hour run. So it's time effective. It, it's a whole body workout, as they say. Um, doesn't get your arms as much as they reckon it does, but it's it's useful. And obviously, if you like doing it, you're going to be more inclined to get up and go and do it, aren't you? Yeah, that's exactly right. And people actually question me about it because I had surgery on my ankle last year and my ankle was in a bad way. And yeah, I got screws and two wires that go through. So obviously, people are kind of confused how I like running, but like my ankle healed really good. and I don't have knee or any other issues so but I know most people that run get sore knees and stuff like that and their ankles and everything becomes a big issue but yeah definitely running is probably not the top of everyone's fun and fitness I guess yeah but like if you've just done it all along one that's uh, just a way of you know continuing it don't stop it because as soon as you do you will notice some of these things but if you maintain the rest of your fitness and a lot of it comes from your glutes and your pelvic stability and that's where people end up with sore hips, sore knees when they run because they're putting loads through on funny angles that they're not controlling, particularly as the run gets longer into, they get further into the run. But if you're if you're maintaining those other things and just 
continuously doing it, you won't have that issue. And like I said, if you don't stop doing it, you'll never will. So keep going it while you can. <laughs> Until something else changes, just keep doing it, mate, because it's a good way of doing it. Like I said, it's effective in terms of time and, and the output. So, yeah, nice work on that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And something that you can do, like you can run with a head torch or anything. You can exactly. do it at any time of the day. Like it's, yeah. like you said, a very essential way of doing fitness and trying to stay fit and obviously you don't need any equipment aside personally i like a good set of joggers like i won't go run with shit joggers because it's hard on your ankles but exactly i was just gonna say you make sure you have a good pair of shoes and that's about all you need you know the rest of it if you got if you got the headset or something on great but you know you just need your shoes really and the rest of it can fall into place well maybe most people might prefer a pair of shorts and if you're a female top but anyway the rest of it you don't need yeah, I definitely prefer shoes. I know it's hard on your ankles, especially if you go for a long-term run. Yeah, definitely. Now, let's switch gears a little bit here. You mentioned a little bit earlier and didn't sort of go there, but plans for something coming up shortly. You've been registered in the Indian Pre- Supercross Premier League, I think it's called, if I get that right. Um, it's C-E-A-T or SEAT. I'm not sure how they're pronouncing that um, as the title group there. Um what made you sign up for the Indian Premier League? Um, I used to speak to Mossy a fair bit before Adelaide, and yeah, he kind of got me into it. He spoke to a few guys, and then I kind of gave Nick a phone call and said, hey, what do you reckon? Should we go do this? And he's like, yeah, I reckon it'll be pretty fun and cool opportunity go travel the world so yeah we decided to do that and then yeah they registered me in it and now we're going to go over i think just depends on how my back goes and how the auction goes with what teams we get selected to obviously i don't really want to go over there and put myself in danger and ride something that i know i'm not capable of riding yeah, there's a there's a few question marks on this series for me. Like I've spoken to their media liaisons, but I didn't get heaps of info just yet about the series. But that's one sort of thing that I was looking at. Like you're in this auction one, and if if you've signed up and you don't get picked from this auction, does that mean that you're not actually able to race the series? Because I gather that's how that would work. And I don't know if you know these things yet either. But if you're not picked from that auction, or bought, I should say bought from the auction. Um, I gather you're not in the series. Yeah, I honestly, I, most of the riders don't really have an indication on how it's going to work and what teams we're going to get selected to ride for. It's obviously, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a question mark, eh? And then like you said too, but the, the equipment side of things is the interest, really interesting one for me because everybody is very specific on what they like on a bike, you know, from the from the grips to the tyres and particularly that the thing that everyone talks about, suspension settings and just being able to be comfortable on a bike. And uh, are you able to then take your own setting over? Are you even going to be on the same, you know, manufacturer to be able to take that suspension, you know, to to that series or not? You don't know until the team's bought you really yeah it's all up in the air at the moment just see what happens it's obviously the highest the person that wants to pay the most will get the best riders so yeah it's just see how it goes obviously like i said the other day that cricket's pretty big and obviously that's on at the moment so there's a lot of focus with the government over there and stuff towards that and then obviously i know this is interacted with that so i think they'll just 
figure it out. Obviously, everyone's been speaking to the CEO of this Indian stuff mm. that's organising. I think they're just trying to set down some dates and try and figure out some backup dates just in case something gets cancelled. But, yeah, they're definitely trying to put their best foot forward and make it a well-organised event. Do you have any indication at this point when that auction is actually occurring? Because I think it was meant to be somewhere mid-December from the info I've got. But is that actually is that part been said at least for you? I thought it was supposed to be these next two weeks after Newcastle and then in between Melbourne, but well, I haven't heard anything yet. So mm. yeah, but they'll they'll send us a text or give us a zoom call or something and then they'll go from there but yeah a little bit up in the air at the moment well it could be an interesting whenever they do it it could be an interesting phone call for you mate you could be uh one going to india for a couple of weeks and two maybe you've you know got 10 20 grand or something or 100 grand in your pocket because somebody's bought you at a nice price mate yeah that's exactly right yeah i know there's a lot of money and they they want obviously whatever team wants a really good field of riders is going to pay a lot of money so yeah it's pretty cool and obviously it's us dollars so it's gonna oh, it's not in, the, not in the indian rupee or whatever it is it's <laughs> the conversion rate might have been so bad on that one but anyway yeah <laughs> at least in us dollars you're getting a bit of a win there in terms of when it comes back to australian so yeah that's a nice one that's exactly right i think that's a lot of the benefits and i think a lot of overseas people that's why they've put in their application there's a lot of Obviously, everyone wants to go and experience it, but I think the money situation is going to look like it's a pretty good opportunity. Yeah, anytime you can get paid to ride your dirt bike somewhere in the world, I think it's something you should be looking at, you know. So why not just throw in and see what comes out of it? You can always say no once it's, um, you know, once you get some more details. But yeah, you've got to be in there to start with, don't you? That's exactly right. Yeah, no, look, awesome. I think it's I think it's worth doing. So yeah, we'll be we'll be seeing we'll be talking a bit more about it on the on the podcast here in a couple of weeks whenever it all goes down because I'm curious to see how it works out. But hopefully, one you just get bored, and two it's a worthwhile opportunity for you to go ahead and experience something different because not many people can say they've ridden Supercross in India. I'm assuming. Yeah, exactly right, and that's what I'm more looking forward to. And I think. You know, it'd be a cool bit of a holiday to go over there before Christmas and I think at the moment it's looking like there'll be some familiar faces over there that I'm going to know. So, yeah, we're all just going to have a bit of a laugh and, yeah, make it a fun trip, I guess. Yeah, see where it, see where it takes you, mate. So, yeah, just enjoy. Well, look, Campbell, appreciate your time, mate, and obviously giving us some details on what you've been up to with post-injury and, and all the other things we chatted about. It's awesome to have you on the Always Moto podcast and... um. We'll have to check in with you again if you do get purchased for the uh, Indian Premier League, mate. Yeah, hopefully we get picked and, yeah, should be in within the next few weeks. But, no, thank you for having me on the Always Matter podcast. It's a pleasure and, yeah, it's cool to always have a chat. Yeah, awesome, mate. We'll we'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate your time. Too easy. Thank you. Thanks, Campbell. What's up, guys? I'm Colin Park and you're listening to the Always Moto podcast. All right, guys and girls, joining us this week on the Always Moto podcast brought to you by Liat Moto Australia. He's riding the number 162, but it's a privateer Yamaha. It's Luke Zielinski. How are we doing, Luke? I'm doing good, thanks. Uh, thank you for having me on. It, um, can't wait to have a chat. Yeah, no, it's awesome for you to make some time for us. I was um, looking through the list of people up on the uh, championship for heading into Melbourne for the Australian Supercross, and 
came across your name and went, hold on a second, I'm not too familiar with that one. I better better check in with this guy and see how he's doing because he's doing really well in this SX1 class this year, mate. You've been doing um, doing some pretty good things so far. Yeah, like I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked. I, I can't complain with where, where I'm sitting in the championship. Obviously, obviously my first year. Um, I'm doing better than I better than I expected, but um, especially after a tough night at Newcastle. But yeah, I'm pretty stoked with how it's going so far. It's been it's been good. You say a tough night in Newcastle, still P6 overall. You went ten nine six moto scores. Like that's pretty decent in a in a field that's got you know Dean Wilson, Justin Brayton, Luke Clout. You know, um, there's a bunch Josh Hill. There's a bunch of decent names in there. You you went six overall, mate. I'm, I'd be pretty stoked with that. Yeah, like, I'm I'm happy, but I'm not. Like I know my last moto, my last final was um, sixth place, and that's where I know I can my speed and where I'm at. I know that's where I can be when I'm when I'm comfortable and riding how I know I can ride. The first the first two, I just well, even all day. Um, just I don't know. I don't know if it was a track or my bike setup or just an off day or like all day was just a struggle. And crashing the heat race didn't help for I think it was second last gate pick. Um, so which led to two extremely bad starts <laughs> for the first two for the first two mains. So it was it was definitely a tough night compared to Adelaide, that's for sure. Yeah, look, the start at Newcastle wasn't maybe the most favourable for anyone. It seemed to be a very difficult point on the track to get through for the entire field. Um, you know, from Cole Thompson making a little shortcut to Brayton going down in, in one of the mains. You know, it, there was just some carnage there. It just seemed a bottleneck. So, yeah, you obviously being on the outside probably didn't help you. Um, but you obviously still managed to, to come through to reasonable finishes in those first two still. So it kind of been all bad, mate. Yeah. <laughs> From the outside gates, I'm not sure how the track crew worked it, but the probably I think it was the last three gates or something. Yeah, you were lined straight up to the back of a berm, which yeah, I did notice that on track walk. It wasn't a great that was that was bad. And then if you were on the inside three gates, you basically were aimed, you know, off the track heading for the first rhythm lane. So um, yeah, you had to be in those center gates, or you had to outdo you know a couple of guys to sort of get in front of them and cut across them basically. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Like Adelaide was the same. I, I know Adelaide was a small, small arena, but I do think they could sort of arrange the track a little bit better so all gates are safe. Really, because it's not really safe. I think when you got a, a berm straight in front of you off a start. But anyway, did so you, did you angle off the gate or anything, or did you just go straight and then you know, like you know, in terms of your starting position, are you, are you on the on the grill um, on the angle or what were you doing? Oh, uh, I was slightly, but it, I honestly, I don't think it changed anything for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the greatest starter as it is. I've really struggled with my starts for a long time now. So yeah, it made, it made for a tough start to the night, but um, before the last main, we got to re-choose our gate and I snuck up an inside gate because there was a few spares and I snuck up there and that, obviously it made a massive difference it was much better yeah nice so the, you said like you're struggling with the track all day was it to do with the the moisture in the in the track like they seem to be watering it pretty heavily at some points dried out towards the end of the uh day program there but right before the heats and everything they put down a whole bunch more water so 
was it was it that aspect was it just that the jumps like it was obviously bigger a lot bigger um rhythm lanes and stuff than than adelaide and maybe you just haven't had like you said this is first season for supercross in australia um i gather you probably haven't got heaps of experience on a track build of this size like was, do you pinpoint any of those things mate yeah i i feel like it, it's probably it's probably a combination of everything like i know you Everyone around the pit area is talking, and you've probably spoken to a few people. There was, there was no traction out there no, at all. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much all day. I'm not really sh- like that was it had to be one of the slipperiest sort of tracks I've raced on. Um, and yeah, like being my first year Supercross, I haven't had a access to a whole bunch of tracks to practice on. So my main, my main track I've been training on is definitely more arena crossy tighter smaller so but like i was i was comfortable comfortable with the jumps and whatnot but i just i don't know the week leading up to it i felt the best felt the best i did all season and i was i was pumped for newcastle um but on the day just i don't know i just it was a struggle like it felt like a big struggle for me yeah, fair enough. Maybe that, that dirt just seemed to be a bit weird. I, there was one point in the in the prep there before the the night show, and the one of the the dozers is there just doing doing circles on the on the straight, trying to break up the surface. And I'm I was pointing to one of the other guys, showing him that it was happening, and I'm like, they're trying to get some grip in this thing, and they're obviously struggling. If that's what they're going to, he's literally just doing circle work all the way down down the straight, trying to break up the surface. I'm like, this is not going to go well later on, and it didn't yeah. get any better. No, it's the best I found it was when it was at its driest, before, like at the end of the day yep. program. Yeah. I found we went out for, I think it was our qualifying, the track was pretty dry, but I found that was when the track was the best. And then, yeah, they gave it obviously a little bit of prep for the night show and water and whatnot. But yeah, I, I really struggled, like attacking the track. You, well, I personally couldn't. I was had a few hairy moments just when you do try and push there's not a lot of traction there um so yeah I, yeah it was just a big struggle for me yeah fair enough well go back to that comment too like your first supercross what made you decide that this year was the year for you to do supercross in australia well last last year i i had a pretty bad shoulder injury in april okay. so i had i missed out missed out pretty much all motocross just got back riding by the time like the last round of motocross was on and like obviously I didn't do it or anything. I just started riding again and everyone was getting into supercross and I was, I've always over the years, every now and then I've just had to play around on a supercross track and I'm like, Oh, like this is pretty cool. Like I, I want to do it one day. And last year I was like, I'd like, I'd love to do it. I went and had a few play arounds and but I just like, obviously privateer, I just couldn't, couldn't afford it. I couldn't really get enough preparation in time with tracks and whatever. So I'm like, like I'm, I'm skipping it for this year, but next year I'm on. And then I went to um, Melbourne for the OzX and the World Supercross weekend. Yeah. Well, I went there and I watched that. And then I think it was the opening ceremony or something. It was like just such a cool vibe. And I sent a photo, I think it was sent a photo to my mum and I said, I'm racing Supercross next year. And then, <laughs> that was the moment, I, eh? <laughs> yeah, that that was the one. And then I, I got through motocross uninjured, and I was like, "Yep, I, I arranged a few little tracks, so, so I could have a few 
tracks to practice on and I made a few things work. Like obviously you need like a budget and that to make it happen and made a few things work and here we are. Yeah, so I gather then based on that story, you're probably really looking forward to being in Melbourne then for for this weekend based on what you know, what happened last year is the, the triggering moment to sort of really kick you into gear. Yeah, Melbourne I'm I'm excited for Melbourne, it's gonna be cool. Um one of them obviously it's gonna be our most full size supercross track and and obviously the atmosphere with the whole world supercross weekend and it's it's gonna be cool and I'm I'm excited to be able to be out there racing and not just watching. Yeah, well, like even like as much as you're on on the Friday night, there's still going to be you know the world guys having their practice sessions, so you'll still be rolling out there at different points, and you know someone like Ken Roxon will be sitting in the tunnel waiting for his session. You know that's sort of a, I would think that's sort of a pretty cool moment to be there and know that you've been on the same track as those guys. Yeah, it's it's cool. Like to be honest, right now. I'm in my bedroom and I used to look up to all these guys and I've got posters of them on my wall still. I haven't even taken them down. <laughs> and now now I'm racing a lot of these dudes. Um, so it's cool. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, look, that is that is a really cool thing. Obviously, as kids, that's all, what we all do, isn't it? And at some point, you want to be there and, yeah, you, you're there now. So that's – you're doing well too, but that's the part that sort of perked my interest in, in trying to get you on was that you, you're doing well in a SX1 class. Like – you're not on the 250, you're in the 450, you're in the big boy class, you know, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a good accomplishment first, like, two races in. Yeah, no, thank you, it, it, it's good, like, and obviously I'm much younger than everyone in front of me and most dudes behind me too, so I've been, like, I've been on the 450 ever since I went senior, um, and yeah, it's cool, like, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm young and I've got a few years up my sleeve from how, where I'm at to how only improve. you, Luke? Uh, just turned twenty. Yeah, right. So yeah, you got a plenty, plenty of room ahead of you to um to continue doing this for a little while yet, if things work out for you. So that's, yeah, that's an interesting way. So why did you never race the two fifty as a senior? I've never been a two fifty guy as a senior. Like I raced one obviously when I'm a junior because you have to, yep. but because of my height, I've always been like a bigger, heavier guy, mm-hmm. and we just I went. Soon I went senior, we're like, not 450. We didn't like me and my family, obviously, where we've always been our own little privateer effort. We didn't have the budget to run 250s and do this to the motor and do that, like, because you're never competitive at a national level, really. If you're heavier than all the other competition already, you're already starting behind the eight ball. Yes, definitely. So, with 450, I run it pretty much straight out of the box, like, just budget wise, that's. That was what was working for us. Yeah, works for you. That's that's the main point here. And obviously, in, when we're talking about the Australian scene, you know, it's not all about being factory teams because there really isn't isn't anything like that. And even the lower teams aren't really, you know, much of of anything being covered. It's sort of if you're comfortable, you can manage to put this together and get to the events. It works. Run it. Go for it. You know. Yeah, that's it. That's that's the main thing. Like, but. Just the 250 program, like, it, we spoke to a lot of people and, like, I probably should have went to the under-19s and then, well, like, the MX3 and then 250, like, that's, like, sort of work your way up. But, mm. yeah, just, I, I don't think it was just going to work for me with how, how like, the program I could put together. Um, and I've always, because I'm obviously a much bigger guy than a lot of the dudes, like, I've always liked the 450s, 
and yeah, I don't know. Just that's just where I've been ever since. Yeah, well, look, I, I think as I was scrolling through, checking out some stuff on your Instagram to make sure I had some decent questions to ask you tonight. I noticed that you had some, you know, decent results in this year's um, Ospro MX series as well in the 450 class. So clearly, that bike suits your style or suits you in some way, shape, or form because you're doing all right on it, mate. Yeah, it's that. It's good. It's it's slowly coming together. <laughs> like it doesn't just happen overnight. Um, this year, it was definitely a big struggle for the whole the whole start of the season. It was only the last few motocross rounds where I felt like I started to ride more how I know I can ride like on race day like through the week I can do it but you got to be able to there's no point doing it through the week if you can't do it on on race day um so the last few rounds I felt like I showed sort of how I can ride more especially like QMP and cool and like consistent top tens and whatnot and uh yeah it was slowly coming together so hopefully next year we can just keep going forward again and I'm I'm glad I went to the fourth year early. Like by the time a lot of the two D guys move up, I'll have two, three, four years sort of experience mm. on the four fifty, which yeah. I'm hoping gonna hoping it's gonna play out in my favour by the time we get to that. Yeah, mate, you could be well and truly, you know, very much advanced on that 450 skill by the time those other competition gets there and you might be in a nice little window of time for where you're, you know, the others, the older ones have maybe potentially moved out and, and you're just sitting in a nice little spot that, you know, you're top five sort of thing and that would work out really nicely moving forward. So hopefully it can continue and you can, you know, just work on all those skills and all that fitness that's needed. Now, speaking of fitness, I, I was mentioning that Melbourne's this week, but it's a 20-lap a main event. And I think you said when we are setting this up that you are at the gym an hour or two before we are doing this. Like, how is the fitness for you, mate? Are you, are you prepared for 20 laps in Melbourne? I'm, I'm definitely prepared. Like, I'm not worried about my fitness. The only trauma I've had leading up to Melbourne, straight after Newcastle, got home, and I've been in bed ever since. Oh, no, you got the flu or something? Yeah, I was, I was, I was done. Like, I was... <laughs> Perfect I time, was in man. bed, and then I've only only rode today for the first time since Newcastle, and my bike leaves tomorrow, so a little bit underprepared, I guess you could say, from Newcastle with my like bike time wise. But no, nah, I'm I'm happy. Like I'm the fittest I've sort of ever been um, all year, and I know I'll be right. Racing's always different for me. Are you fitting in the training and stuff? Like, are you working as well? Are you like on Yeah, a... I am, I'm working. Who, where I work, they're, I'm, they're good to me. Like, they're very flexible. Like, I don't know, if I need a ride on Tuesday and Thursday, will I work Monday, Wednesday, Friday? Or if my riding changes to a Monday, I'll work Tuesday instead. Like, they work good with me. Um, but, yeah, I'm definitely working in between whenever I ride and that sort of thing because obviously it doesn't all pay for itself no i was just gonna say like you gotta pay the bills somehow and you know there's other expenses in the world other than just moto so yeah if, that's it. if you've that's got the job and you've got some flexibility to do both that's a one that's a really good boss keep them um while you're racing yeah. at least and um make it work for you yeah i'm, I'm glad i'm glad they they make it easy for me i like obviously a lot of the dudes in front of me don't even go to work because racing is their job but um I'm glad they do make it much easier being so flexible and whatever works, works. Like, so, 
which is good. It definitely helps. So when are you on the travel train or bus or flights or whatever it is that you're getting to Melbourne? Now you're up in Queensland, aren't you? Yeah, I'm up in Queensland, Brisbane ways. So yeah. um, my father and my brother, who's my mechanic, leave with my va- with the van tomorrow. Okay. And um, actually, I'm working Wednesday and I fly out Wednesday night to Melbourne. Yeah, nice. So you've got just so, the, um, the day sort of thing. You're gonna, I gather, they're gonna pick you up from the airport or something, and yeah, just un, un, unpack the bike and make sure everything's on on spot, ready Thursday. I gather. Yeah, that's that's the plan. I'm sort of make sure we're all ready to roll on Thursday and go from there, and hopefully have a good weekend and see where we end up in the championship. Yeah, look. Um, if I go back, I was just check. I forgot to check that part. But being sixth, you're obviously fairly tight there. A top five finish would be an awesome thing for you to just to finish on on the season. And where are we? You're only, yeah. Look, Joel Whiteman's only two points in front of you in fifth. So there's a chance, man. We've got it. the the championship's tight. Like it's there's only a few points to go forward, but there's also only a few points to go. Off. There is. I just was looking further down the list. Dylan Wills is on forty nine. You're on fifty one. Dylan Wills is forty nine, and Robbie Marshall's forty nine. So there's a there's a couple there. There's four people you could switch around quite a bit before the end of this is done. Definitely. So we just need to have a good weekend. I know. I know how I could ride it. I just need to just need to make it happen on the night. I suppose. Yeah, look, you could be surprised. I, I say this a bit, like my background's a physio and, and I take a lot of um, injury reports and stuff from the AMA side of things. But whenever somebody seems to have a, an illness, um, you know, a day or so after a, a race, the, the next race seems to be a good one. And I always theorize that that little bit of rest that's forced on upon you from, you know, having a day or two or a couple in bed um, because you can't get up and you can't train and you can't ride... Um, it actually gives the body the rest that it needs and then you're actually basically on the upside when you finally get back to the track in a week or two's time. So you never know. That little um, unintentional rest there that you had to have because of the illness might work in your favour. So just, yeah, don't be too bummed on the fact you couldn't train last week. It sometimes works out for the better. Well, I definitely I definitely hope you're onto something there. Um, in saying that, I did ride today and I was sort of, I did surprise myself a bit. Like I was feeling pretty good. Mate, like I like. said, it's just a. It's you've had a rest, so the body is actually feeling good at this point. And having one go, you've had at least one ride, so that's a good thing. You've you've blown those cobwebs off. So yeah, you yeah. might be on on for something. We'll see how we go. I hope I hope you're on to something. Eh? <laughs> I've I've been wrong before, but we'll, we'll see what happens this time around. Yeah, we we will. Uh, look, man. Look, it's been awesome to chat to you. Um, thank you for coming on the Always Moto podcast, and uh, we'll definitely swing by in the pits in Melbourne. We'll be there Friday and Saturday watching all the action. So we might even try and check in with you afterwards, and hopefully we can be a bit of a congratulatory top five moment for you. Nah, thank you. Thanks for having me. It was good having a chat. Yeah, appreciate it, Luke. Thanks for your time on the Always Moto podcast, brought to you by Lee at Moto Australia. What's up, guys? Kevin Moran's here, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Thanks for sticking around on the Always Moto Podcast. We are going to jump into the emergency department. We've done some digging this week after Newcastle Supercross for the Australian round uh, to find out some of the details of the injuries. We haven't got everything just yet. We're still waiting on uh, one particular or two particular people to get some more details, but we'll run through what we have as we head to this final round of Australian Supercross and World Supercross in Marvel Stadium in Melbourne. So here's the emergency department right now. The emergency department. 
all the injuries, all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. Every time. You do not want to be on this list. We say it every single time we do this segment. It's not a good list. It's not a short list. Unfortunately, it is what it is. There are some updates from the Worlds, the... um, uh, we're going to have some AMA stuff, which for some reason in my notes have just disappeared, but we'll get to those. I'll find them here in a, just a second. But World world's Supercross and Australian Supercross. So, reminder, from Adelaide and Abu Dhabi side of things with Worlds and Australian Supercross, we're sort of lumping them all together here at this point. Caden Minia um, broke his arm in Adelaide. He has actually had two surgeries since then, but he's actually been cleared to return to riding. So that's an amazing time frame. That's five weeks and he's back um, able to ride. Obviously, I don't think he's riding uh, this final weekend in, Ad- uh, in Melbourne, but he's at least starting the build back up. So ideally, by the time 2024 season rolls around, he'll be ready to go. Justin Brayton, as we mentioned during the general talk segment with the contractor, Ben Grinley, not really sure what's going on with Brayton. We're going to have to check in a bit further with him on the Friday when we get to Melbourne for World Supercross to see if he's actually going to give this a crack or not. We'll have to find out some information. So you'll have to stay tuned to the socials to see what the status is for Justin Brayton um, moving into Friday night and Saturday night. Aaron Tanti, as you mentioned, for CDR Yamaha, he's out for World Supercross and Australian Supercross. He's only hopefully going to be just back in Australia after Abu Dhabi being stuck there with those rib fractures had multiple rib fractures that caused him to be unable to fly. So he's been laying low in Abu Dhabi for that time. Ideally, he's back and we'll try and catch up with him if he is in the pits in Melbourne um, just to see how things are going for him. Bailey Malkowitz, reminder, he's out with an injury. Again, no details on him as such. Campbell Williams, as you heard from in the interview this episode, lumbar spine injury in Adelaide, uh, we haven't actually checked in with him. I was going to check in with him to see if he's actually been able to ride or not. Um, we might try and quickly do that and throw that back in here later. Um, but at this stage, he was going to give it a crack, but we'll have to wait and see how that plays out for him in just a little while. Caleb Goulet, uh, Empire Kawasaki, Australian Supercross. Uh, we found that he has a triquatrum fracture, which is a little bone in his wrist that he rode through in Newcastle. He actually had the brace on all day to try and stabilize that. And he actually broke that the week or so before Newcastle. So not a great run into Newcastle, but he's going to give it a go again in uh, Melbourne. We spoke to him during the week. He's going to continue to use that brace. He had some good effect with that. I actually offered to see if he needed to. I could tape his wrist if he wasn't getting the support enough that he needed, but seems to be okay. So we'll check in with him on Friday and see how everything goes for him. But yeah, interesting news there for Caleb. As for the injuries from Newcastle, um, no information on Jake Cannon at this point. There was some stuff going around, but um, nothing official as such. We've managed to speak to Josh Bishop. Poor bugger um, has managed to get a double fracture to his pelvis. So he's managed to break the front of his pelvis and the back side of his pelvis. He had a decent gap in his pelvis as well. And unfortunately, that means because your pelvis is your load-bearing area for your entire body, he is unable to stand at this point for the next six weeks. So he has to be rolling around in a wheelchair whilst that pelvis fractures, both pelvis fractures heal. And then he'll be able to progress back to 
um, you know, some loaded standing upright activities, but it's going to be a long recovery for him. Ideally, those pelvis fractures heal nicely. Hopefully nothing, you know, goes astray. Um, there are some bad examples. Unfortunately, think of Ryan... Um, God, I'm just blanking on his surname. Sipes, Ryan Sipes, um, he, he had that massive pelvis fracture and it has taken a long time for him to recover, but he did unfortunately have some bad surgeries along the way. So, um, yeah, just have to see how that all goes for him. Ideally, it's a smooth recovery and smooth healing process for him, but, yeah, a bit of a road ahead. Now, quickly back on the Campbell-Williams. We've managed to get an update. Quick text in between these things here. Yes, he's not racing Melbourne, unfortunately. He'll be in the stands watching. So we'll catch up with Kate. Campbell during the day uh, and uh, see how everything's going with his injury recovery. Now, back into the Newcastle list, uh, Jesse Bishop dislocated his shoulder in a heat race in Newcastle. We've spoken to him. He has ridden a few times this week. He is on track to race in Melbourne. He sees that things are doing okay, so it must have gone back in okay. He did also mention, but it's not the first time he's dislocated this shoulder. He dislocated it at Newcastle the previous year as well. So, not a good uh, omen for him for next year to go for three for three from Newcastle with dislocated shoulders. But uh, at this stage, he's okay. Doesn't need any work done. We'll be racing Melbourne. So see how he plays out there in that SX1 class. Noel Ferguson, there's been no more updates. We've reached out to him. We'll check in with his team. Maybe he'll be in Melbourne watching, but uh, we suspect that he will have some sort of fracture there to that lower leg. And obviously Matt Moss, um, the reason for our special guest, Matt Moss has that neck fracture. He is out from that crash in Newcastle. He will be on the sidelines. He may be watching, he may not be um, at the venue, but Reese Bud will be filling in for the Club MX team for the World Supercross ride that Matt Moss would have done in SX1. I don't think anybody will be filling in on the um, Empire Kawasaki for the Oz round, um, but that is all we have there for those couple of guys at this stage. Now, quickly uh, into the AMA side of things, and I've got no idea where those notes have disappeared to, unfortunately. But there's been three preseason injuries so far to date in the AMA um, uh, that have been working their way through. Now, that is, uh, unfortunately, we saw one recently. Uh, so, first off, it is uh, Rich Taylor, Richard Taylor from uh, the Privateer Rider, who's had those knee injuries that we spoke about. Uh, of femur fracture, sorry, that we spoke about uh, a couple of shows ago. There is also talk that, and, uh, and it has been confirmed, but I don't have details of what happened yet, so we won't mention too much on it, but Derek Kelly is also apparently on the injured list at this stage. And then the other one that's been added to it recently, and we've had him on the show previously, as has we have had Richard Taylor and Derek Kelly previously, we've, we had Jonah Geisling on last year during his injury recovery time uh, he's unfortunately in the preseason managed to break his left wrist, his right elbow, and his index finger on his right hand, as well as bruising his sternum or his rib cage. Uh, he had a bit of a crash in the whoops in training, uh, and unfortunately, he is probably currently looking for somebody to wipe his butt. Unfortunately, with two hands in cast, it's not usually a task that you're very well capable of at that point. So, an unpleasant time for Jonah in the next few weeks, but. He was planning, because I asked him, oh, you're just going to do East Coast 250s now, but he was originally planning to do 450 all season for all 17. But that might not be the case. We are a few weeks out. He is about three weeks into the re injury recovery process, so he has time. 
whether he has enough time to be fit and ready and strong enough to ride a 450 at the opening round is yet to be seen. But I dare say by the middle to end of January, so at worst he'll be three or four rounds missed into the season, but he will be probably back around that point at worst if he's not already trying to ride through in those opening rounds. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But yeah, quick little update there on that preseason for the AMA side of things. The list, the injury list has already started for 2024 AMA, unfortunately. But as we say, injuries are a part of moto. So this is what happens, unfortunately. All right, guys and girls, that is the emergency department update. We'll be back after this. Hey, this is Cole Thompson, and you're listening to Always Moto. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Dead set, massive show this week. I hope you've enjoyed this one. We've had a bit of everything, obviously, with World Supercross and Australian Supercross coming to a close this weekend in Melbourne in Marvel Stadium. Uh, good guests, um, some surprise guests, and some awesome news there for Reese Budd earlier in the show as our special guest. Thanks to everybody as for always as supporting the Always Moto podcast. We're getting more and more um, people onto these um you know, shows onto the YouTube channels, onto the socials. It's been going really well. And look, this weekend in Melbourne, we are going to be there on the ground. We're going to bring a lot more content. So you need to be following us. You need to be sharing us to help us to find more um, people to be following us so that we can keep bringing more people into the show to then keep bringing you more and more content. That's how it works, people. You support us, we support you. That's how it goes. All right, but it's been a great show. Thanks for you guys and girls out there for listening. Don't forget to send those T-shirt orders in or those donations in. Um, T-shirt orders into info at alwaysmoto.com. Donations to the PayPal account via the links in the social media pages. Stay signed up to the social media pages to stay up to date with all things injury and moto. Search Always Moto, follow and subscribe. Please leave a rating on the app. If you're on Spotify particularly, leave a rating on it. Answer the question that's there um, for the show thing. There will always be one there that says, uh, you know, did you like this episode? But occasionally I get a chance to change that, uh, usually a day after I've loaded it. So you might miss that. But go back and answer those guys and girls. It's awesome. It helps the show interaction and the algorithm move us up the rating. So please leave us a rating. Leave us a comment on those. I can answer to the questions. It would be much appreciated. Don't forget to head over and check out our written articles over at fullnoise.com.au. We'll have plenty of things coming there shortly. We're going to have, we've been invited to the Beta Australia 450 motocross release and they're also going to have the 300 uh, uh, bike there to test as well. So something cool coming your way here with Beta um, very shortly and that'll be on fullnoise.com.au but we'll also have a podcast for it too so don't worry, we'll talk about it as well there as well. But yeah, plenty of things to check out over on fullnoise.com.au from us and all just their general news articles as well. But that's it for another show. Thanks to Lee at Moto Australia, Competitive Edge Performance, Slant Board Guy, Endurance Recovery Boots, and Tech 1673D Printing for the show support. Thanks to the Always Moto Contractor. Thanks to Blair for the banner. Thanks to you guys and girls out there for listening. Thanks to the wife and kids for letting me get this done. Remember, you need to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic having strapping tape thrown wherever it will stick. <laughs>